Welcome back, everybody, to the Doctor Who Flashcast. I'm Jason Snell. We are here to talk about Doctor Who uh, Season 13. It's Flux, uh, Chapter 3, uh, also called Episode 3, Once Upon Time. I am joined by two wonderful guests to talk about this episode, and it's a reunion of our During Galley in, tw- er, in early 2020 uh, episode about the haunting of Via Diodati. It is Jean McDonald <laughs> and Annette Weirstra. Hello, hello, both of you. Hello. I'm sad we're not all in the same room together. That was nah. fun. No, nah, it kind of feels like that's where time was still good. Mm. And since yeah. then, it's all just gone to hell. It's all kind of falling apart. It was time. all the fault, a fault of watching Dean, uh, Doctor Who together. Do- yeah, watched a little <laughs> Doctor Who together uh, in a room full of Doctor Who fans. And uh, and that was that was a good time, and then and that was the, that was it. That was the end of the good time. Um, <laughs> I uh, I I think talking about a room full of Doctor Who fans at a Doctor Who convention, I've been checking in with people about sort of the method of storytelling of this season so far, mm-hmm. and I wanted to do it again because this episode struck me as being complex. And requiring that attention be paid and requiring that you remember things from previous episodes and, in fact, a little bit previous seasons. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, before we get into the details of what happened, I'm curious if you had thoughts about the, the, the way this story is being told and the degree of difficulty that goes into it. Because that, that's something that struck me as I remember when Chris Chibnall took over and there was sort of this impression given that it was going to not have old monsters and it was going to be really welcoming for new fans. And you were just going to be able to kind of watch and understand what was going on. And season, his second season steered away from that, but this season it feels like it swerved all the way to the other end, which is, you know, you cannot pick up an episode of Doctor Who casually. You really need to have been paying attention from the beginning and also ideally remember things that happened last year. What mm-hmm. do you think? Yes. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, about a third of the way into it, I was like, dang, I wish I was on last week's episode. Because, mm. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's an uh this series i guess you know this this six part story um has a lot going on in it for sure we knew that already but um be, be you know compared to the first and second episode this one was like oh we're going to put everything in now um and we're you're never going to know what is happening next so that's that's one way to to uh, create an impression of what it must be like when time mm. has been broken. Complicated, confusing. Mm-hmm. As a doctor says, you know, you, uh, you know, you lost me early on, <laughs> mm. <laughs> but, uh, but I found myself. I mean, I, I, I did. I, I, I scrubbed through the whole thing a second time just so I could remember, you know, the parts, even though it doesn't necessarily you know, follow one part from another. I wanted to remember yeah. which parts came it's first. It's going to be a challenge to discuss this because I like, I like following story threads and there's too too much. <laughs> there are too many threads there. And then how are you feeling about the, the um I complexity? have been saying that I am not sure about the season yet because mm-hmm. I really like last season. But weirdly, this episode was hitting a little better for me because – I think I described it as like it's a ping pong ball mm. just <laughs> and it's frenetic but 
it makes sense in the context of what they're trying to do uh-huh. is like I was like, oh, they're putting me off foot again, which is I've been feeling off foot every episode. But at this time, it feels like they're trying to do it in like they're probably trying to do it intentionally the whole time. But it made sense to my brain because we're we're skipping through time. And so we're skipping through all of these stories. But at the same time, I keep saying, like, I don't know if I like this season or not. Maybe I love it. Maybe I hate it. And it mm. all hinges on do they stick the landing? And yeah, I'm like, I don't I don't even know. I like I don't know if I like it or not. I just can't tell because I need to see how everything comes together before I can really decide, I think. It's a classic uh thing that we especially on this podcast that when there's a two-part episode we cover part one it's like well you can't really judge it and i've been saying all along this season you know we can judge the individual episodes but also hanging over it is just like what's the what's the overall story and and uh we we can't judge that so we just sort of have to have to peer into this episode and 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 take it for what it is i think gene makes a good point that you know, in some ways, I mean, yeah, this is this is a everything is fractured in time, and so it is kind of weird and kaleidoscopic, and and um and I I get that I, I agree, Annette. I watched this episode and I got it, like I got it, I I got it, I I and I this doesn't always happen, but like I thought I know what game is being played here, I understand what the what the premise is, I called the twists basically before they happened because i was like oh i bet it's this and then it turned out turned out to be that and i'm sitting there thinking oh for a very discombobulating all over the place even you know as much or more than the first episode was frenetic and all over the place this episode is frenetic and all over the place because you've got a whole bunch of time frames that we haven't seen or aren't or maybe aren't relevant and they're just kind of thrown in there um that said i was sitting watching this next to my wife who um has not been paying that close attention. She's been watching them with me and she, she's not really feeling the whole Chris Chibnall era. Um, she watched last season, but again, like wasn't super into it. And she, at the end of this episode said, I have literally no idea what I just saw. <laughs> and I get it. I get I it. Understand even I understand that. Even though I understood I it, it all. And that's what, that was what's given me pause. I, I've a, a recurring theme about season 13 has been, this is Chris Chibnall saying, okay, this is what modern Doctor Who would look like, right? Which is like, like in this era of streaming, it's one story told over a six hour you know, set and it's going to be complicated and intertwined and you really need to watch it all and get to the end of it and binge watch it, except you have to watch it every week instead because it's still on the BBC. And that's fine, I guess, but it does give me a little bit of pause because I start to think about families and about kids and about people who are just a little more casual about their show. And I think as much as I can appreciate the the ambition of a story like this, I am a little bit worried that it is super off-putting to almost everybody who isn't like all the way bought into it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a little anxious because I just watch it. It's it's the pacing is anxious, but I'm almost like, do I know enough? Of someone yeah. who's watched every episode of the last 13 years at more than one time. But I don't know Doc Classic Who. And I was like, is this going to hinge on me knowing Classic Who as well as doesn't, Modern Who? Doesn't seem and so. Doesn't I'm like, seem I don't so. know, but I feel like there's so many things going on. It's like they're throwing a lot of stuff at me. And I just, so I, I yeah, so it's just like, maybe they, I don't think they will because I think that's like too far back, but 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, uh, I don't know. It's going to be all about how it ends. But I agree. I don't, I, it's not, it's not something you're going to dip into casually <laughs> for like, you, you can't just watch one episode. So this, yeah. this episode is uh, largely told in various fractured timelines of the, of the characters who were kind of in the middle of the, the uh, little circle of the, of the Mori when the doctor, uh, decides that to save uh, Yaz and Vinder, she and Dan are going to kind of join them and she's going to be the conduit for the time energy and they're going to figure it out. But as a result, what you get is a whole bunch of vignettes, some of which are standalone or, or you come back to it a couple of times, where the characters mm-hmm. are living sort of something from their lives and the other characters are sort of playing the roles or are flickering between playing the roles of the other characters in their lives. And on one level, it's a little. It could be a little confusing. On another level, some of those things aren't very important. I think, or maybe are just little character moments, which are, character moments are important, but it's not quite the same as plot importance. And then there are also some things that are super important. And I feel like the game being played there, right, is that <laughs> it doesn't seem like Vinder's promotion and his reason for being is like at the same level as what the doctor is doing. Uh, and it, that's because it's not, it is vendors backstory is important in a way, but also those and Dan talking to uh, what's her name. Uh, uh, Diane, like mm-hmm. there are, there are the, mo- the, the it keep little character touches. And then they're like huge plot development parts. And they're all on that same level. Um, as part of the magic trick, right? But it does add this whole layer of complexity of like, when is this? Who is this? Uh, who is that? Is that Yaz or is that not Yaz? And all of that is going on. It just, I feel like it, it makes the episode a little harder. I'm okay with it. I like, I'm okay with it, but it makes it harder and more confusing and more frenetic. Mm-hmm. I, I bet I, though, I, watching it again a couple of times, but then again, as you said, this requires the dedication to be the sort of fan who watches it. <laughs> another time or two before we watch the next episode uh that would probably help um sort things yeah yeah i mean and again i i've thought this about the stephen moffat era and 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 i've i want to go back in time actually into one of those flashbacks to myself and say if you think this is a bit much (laughs) just wait uh because the season 13 is really going to blow your mind in terms of how much um attention and uh how convoluted it's going to be and like how how the difficulty level is is going to yeah. go up and and that is you know and, and there's nothing wrong with it I, I just like i i actually kind of enjoyed this episode because like i said i i kind of went with it um but i also was deeply aware that the other half of my couch was super not into it <laughs> and as somebody who, who who cares about doctor who more broadly i i looked at this episode i told lauren afterward i said you know, I think your reaction is what the BBC's reaction might have been to this, which is why they gave the whole thing to Russell T. Davis and said, here, you fix this, is because maybe they're like, no, 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 no. Whereas as a fan, I was like, yeah, this is this is fun. I just don't know how sustainable it is to, like, to do Doctor mm-hmm. Who that's so, so specific like this, like and not welcoming to more casual viewers. I don't know. Maybe I'm just internalizing the casual viewer and I shouldn't worry about it and I should just enjoy the ride. I don't know. No. It definitely, um, yeah, gave me uh, sort of remembrances of uh, the wedding of River Song, like that whole time, like where things were really, really crazy. And I, that that particular episode 
always made an impression on me because it made me think about what would it be like if all of time happened at once? You know, what, mm-hmm. you know, I could like teeny weeny bit like grasp what <laughs> that what might mean, like my puny human brain. But this one even more so because, um, you know, because of the jumping around kind of simultaneously and um, that, yeah, it was it, it was definitely something to follow. Um, I I think Vinder is going to be more important than we might you know realize, only because the way they started this episode with Belle and mm-hmm. yes. we're like, what's her deal? And then you know you sort mm-hmm. of realize by the end. Oh, of course, you know this is um, she's talking about you know getting back to someone and. And he is also trying to get back to someone, and they're the they're a couple. And then that she's having a baby, like it's like a time baby, you know. It's like I don't know, like what will happen that that is communicated with, I guess, via uh, Tamagotchi. Anyway, we should yes, yeah. let's we should we should dive in because there's there is a lot going on. We're only halfway through, and I think that there are a lot of threads that have not yet even really been. Um, mm-hmm. been pulled yet some things that that, mm-hmm. that are laying out there there are a couple things that are said in this episode that i'm like huh that hmm okay well we'll get back to that later uh but that it, it feels like it's going to go somewhere so yeah we should say bell's story runs throughout and the mystery is like who is this and how are how is she connected to it because we haven't had her story uh unlike the last two episodes where we've had all sorts of other people who we've just seen briefly and are like they'll be back folks later um bell we haven't seen before um but she's telling a story in the immediate aftermath of the flux so this is like a post flux world and she's surrounded by ruins and she's got like their daleks going around and the 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 dalek sector keeps growing and there are these blue um you know bugs or whatever that are flying around that are um Mm -hmm. that are that like will kill people and um she says that she's taken a a Lupari ship, so that's Cavernista's uh, people, um, and she's left the Dalek sector. There's wreckage everywhere. It's the last days of the universe. There are marching Cybermen because this is the cyber sector. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, Atropos is falling. The Muri are compromised, and time is w- running wild. We hear these are all things that are happening in sort of the other part of the story. Um, and you know, in the end, um, oh well, she lands her ship. Uh, and then sees lots of Cyberman and there's a whole like convert this. Um, and, and she talks to a dying Cyberman about, about how she's, her mission is love. Love is not mm-hmm. a mission. Says the Cyberman. Oh, Cyberman. Uh, <laughs> love is the only mission. And she shoots him in the Tamagotchi that she's carrying. Uh, look it up kids. If you don't know what a Tamagotchi is, uh, uh, <laughs> sends like love symbols and stuff like that. And it turns out that, um, Vinder, is the father of her child that she's carrying and that she is looking for Vinder. Um, and at the end of the episode, they sort of set Vinder down back home and give him a little thing to say, call us when you need us. Hmm. And then, uh, <laughs> and, and then, he, but he's going and looking for her so that, that she's sort of like our view into the, uh, like what's happening outside in terms of the devastation caused by the flux. Yeah. And we already know that, they are not on the same planet. <laughs> so he probably <laughs> yeah. needs some help getting to her. I was excited by this storyline. I thought I liked her. I 
figured, you know, I don't think it was like a huge leap to think, oh, I think she's trying to get to Vinder because who else? You never know with this, but it seemed to be linking up and I really liked Vinder and and so it was kind of cool to get a more thorough backstory to what, what was happening with him. And as you say, then that whole... Because at first I was like, is this on Earth in it? Because you, you don't know. Is this on Earth in another timeline post flux and so on? It could have been. But then, yeah. So then it's sort of like this is a possible future for Earth at the same time. And that made uh, some sense to me. And for a moment, I thought it was going to be like more focused and <laughs> on that sort of storytelling. But no. <laughs> yeah. No, it was a nice romance. Like it started out yes. with like... Uh, so, and the yeah, the blue like things in another part of this story, we see that the blue things are uh, Vinder. Is it Vinder has a no? Dan has a has a meeting with the ex, the guy who's been excavating in the eighteen hundreds, who we've seen very right. little of so far, by the way. Yeah. Um, and he calls them mites, and they're flying by, and he's trying to protect them. Uh, and Dan says, "Are we close? Like, are we close to home?" Because he's like, "Oh, you know, you're you're from." Um, you're from Newcastle and so am I. And, and, uh, <laughs> even though they're from, you know, such a couple Liverpool, centuries apart, he's like, yeah. are we close to home? And he's like, oh no, no, we're nowhere no. near home. I'm like, okay. All right. Uh, so but, like, does that mean another County? Does uh, that mean another planet? We don't yeah, know yet. <laughs> we, we don't know. I mean, we saw him in what appeared to be the temple, um, of Atropos yeah. earlier mm-hmm. in the last week, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's going on there. And that's kind of unclear, but we do see those blue, uh, those blue mites a couple of times. So we've got some idea that, that they're, you know, they're involved some way. Particles of time force, I guess. Particles of the time force yeah, is what the doctor what, says. Uh, it, or, it gave uh, me a thought when, cause I was like, so is this, are they like, cause it does look like they're blasting everyone to dust. But then I had yeah. a thought of like, are they being like the weeping angels and displacing yeah. people? Or not. But I was like, no, but people are, you see them sort of dis- like to dust and yeah. not, but yeah, yeah. who knows? It's who knows. There's a lot of questions without answers in this season. <laughs> All right. So um, the main plot here is that the doctor, and in what I thought was a really fun little moment is we replay the last scene of last episode and we are in the doctor's head. So she is, she is like thinking fast about all of her options in that moment, which is like, that's always fun, right? Like the doctor's always going to mm-hmm. be working all the angles and figuring out what's going on. And she's like, oh boy, this isn't really great, but it's the only option. So I'm going to do it now. And so we get mm-hmm. the, we get her, her mindset as she goes up to her solution, which is that she basically tosses Dan into and jumps into one of the slots that the Mori um, have been in so that instead of Yaz and Vinder being fried by the time energy, they all sort of take it. And the doctor sort of saying, I will, I will be able to manage this better than they will. And that gives us our premise for the episode where they're kind of unstuck in time, all four of them, while the doctor tries to figure out a way to solve this problem and get the universe kind of back on its axis. Uh, th- thanks to the, you know, the temple, in the on the planet of time, so that's that's kind of the premise, and it happens really fast. But you get to see her her uh, her thought process, which I think is is good. And then you know, there's a bunch of like stuff that's kind of random that happens in the time stream or wherever they are. A weeping angel appears. Uh, yeah. You know, she's like at the heart of the. I guess it's the time storm. They say, mm-hmm. um, and and then and then everything else we get 
is essentially a whole bunch of flashes in various people's lives, um, some of which are a little more straightforward and, and, and character moments, as I said earlier, and some of which are directly related to the plot. So that's what this episode really is. And and I guess if mm-hmm. it works for you or not, it's really based on how you how you anchor yourself to those moments and how you read them. Um, although I will say <laughs> that we cut to the doctor looking through like uh, binoculars and saying, well, the monument's down, where are the hostages? And of course, Vinder and Dan and Yaz are there, but they're wearing kind of a kind of a armory uniform kind of thing. And I immediately thought, oh, she's flashback to her time in the division. That this mm-hmm. is this immediately. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is before. This is this is back when she was probably Joe Martin's doctor. Yes, indeed, it mm-hmm. is Joe Martin's in this episode. And that there, and it's like the siege of Atropos and the tem- temporal flux, and we got to rescue those hostages and reset times so the universe can function again. And I'm sitting there thinking, I think this is not what it what it wants me to think, which is maybe that this is the future, that it's really the past, and this is how the Mori got into the state that they were in and and our enemies got in the state that they're in, all of which comes to be the case. This is actually the origin of how Azure and Swarm were captured and mm-hmm. the Mori were put back into place to control time. Um, we just don't don't know it yet. But there was a the hint to that yeah. is that everybody else is in their past. And when we right. actually have the reflection of her seeing Joe Martin um, in the mirror, I I was like, it took me a second to even be surprised about it because I was like, <laughs> well, of course, of course. If she wasn't yeah. showing up in the series. I would have been shocked. I was like, they better. I was like, I would have been mad. They better use her again because she was such a great character. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was like, oh, right. I, this, she, this is the first time she's showed up again since, you know, last season, they may but be, it felt they, very natural that she was there. holding those rifles. I, I think might even be the same rifle that she holds in the in the prisoner. Of the that June would have been episode. a thing. I and totally the, missed the armor that they're. <laughs> I'm not sure, but the armor that they're wearing felt very Time Lord uh, attack squadron kind of thing to me for some reason, and that's one of the reasons that I, I thought this has got to be like. When is the Doctor there with a bunch of armed people laying assault to? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like this mm-hmm. has got to be from from her past where she doesn't remember being used as an operative. And I think this whole segment is really interesting because it, it we get the suggestion that this is like, they're promising the doctor that this is going to be her last job. Mm-hmm. Right. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. there's the whole, uh, there's like, you know, we'll, we'll just, Oh yeah, you're a little time sick, but we're going to get through this and, and you're going to, um, you're going to be able to, uh, to get off and, and do what you do, what you need to do and not worry about it. Um, and and so it's like, is this the thing where where she, you know, goes on the run after this because uh, they promised? I think it's they they we take the planet and then we'll be free of all this. And the implication is that that's not the case, and that's why she has to go on the run. Although it's unclear. Also, there's a line: "You're pretty strong for a dog," which is a very clear sign. If you remember, <laughs> yes. the Carvinista, yes. the whole point is yeah. that he's the one of the only things the Doctor can find who's connected to the Division. And so, of course, it is revealed later that indeed um, Dan, who is Carvanista's person in in the real world, is is a, his he's representing Carvanista in uh, this flashback to the division. And Azure and Swarm are there, and they've got like little thrones. And the Doctor is still very much the Doctor, and we get to see the sort of flickering back and forth with Joe Martin. 
um, doing the kind of thing of like, look, I'm warning. I, I warned you. I gave you the warning, and now we're gonna now we're gonna take you. But we do discover what the passengers are, which is they're kind of like the um, the. You remember from the Russell T Davis era, the the uh, bigger on the inside uh, arc that contained all the Daleks. It's kind of like mm-hmm. that. It's this mm-hmm. thing that contains uh, hundreds of thousands of people and they destroy a couple of them. And those are the hostages or the passenger. The idea is that they're the inside the passenger are a bunch of, a bunch of people can be stored. It's like a prison, uh, which is a happen- interesting idea that happens really fast and is necessary because the plot involves planting more Mori inside the passenger so mm-hmm. that they can come out and save the day at the end, which is definitely one of those kind of plot leaps that has to happen. Um, so we get the whole, you know, we basically get Joe Martin's doctor slash Jodie Whittaker doing the the confrontation that is the origin story kind of of our villains for the piece of like how they got locked away before you know, they came back at the start of this season. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now. Okay. Okay. That that makes total sense. I mean, I just was like excited to see Joe Martin's doctor. Oh yeah. I I was like, Oh, this is interesting. Like she's, she's seeing a past version of herself or, you know, it was because they had a conversation, you know, that was in the reflection. uh, Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. Um, and, uh, I, I did feel like, um, in the previous episode where, uh, the, where swarm comes and, and, uh, liberates Azure from her human form that reminded me of the, uh, the -hmm. doctor as Joe Martin being like unleashed. Absolutely. that was mm-hmm. I thought that's a cool way to hide people or bad guys. I I feel like there's more to this. Like mm-hmm. I I got the distinct impression that as bad as Azure and Swarm are mm-hmm. and they you know they're baddies, they're villains, they look scary. Scary. Kind of sexy scary though, honestly. <laughs> I think yeah, I think especially I, Swarm. I think Swarm I'm is like, very charismatic. Swarm is mm-hmm. doing it for me. He's got a great voice. I, I agree with that. Okay, so and a good jacket. So and we know we, we we should be skeptical at least of the doctor's employers and the time lords because the yeah. division like erased her memory and basically first off she fled and became uh, the a tour guide <laughs> until until that episode <laughs> happened and then and then uh, she went back on the run again. Obviously, she's captured at some point and they wipe her memory and uh, and presumably regenerate her into a little kid and and that's what the doctor remembers as uh, as childhood. But like the, so those those guys aren't aren't good either, right? They're not good. Mm-hmm. And I'm not no. sure I ever am going to sign off on like well whatever the time lords want to do is probably fine and probably right (laughs) and like this planet and the idea that there's this temple of atropos and all that like i am willing to go along with it being an important part of the stability of the universe but i'm also willing i'm open to the possibility that maybe what what azure and swarm are doing is not necessarily as bad as as we are led to believe and that maybe it's more complicated, I guess. Right. Like that. I feel like maybe just because they are bad doesn't mean that what the doctor is doing in that situation is good. 
Well, mm. my question too is I have no basis for this, but the whole the setup best. careful. I know, right? <laughs> it's like the careful setup of Vinder as someone who did like the ethical thing and saved those people even when it was hard and then got in charge of the supreme is it the supreme serpent? Yes. Yes. So he was in charge of that. And then he again makes the choice to like submit a report and is like, that guy is no good. So it's just like that sort of pattern. So it's like, is there going to be another situation in our future where he is in with the doctor and her fam Mm. and you have to make another decision where it is like the ethics of it is a difficult ethical decision that is against like sort of all, you know, making that choice again, the whole organization and the power is against you. But you have to make this choice to do something. And I'm like, I don't know how this is going to play out because I'm generally confused. But I could see Swarm and Azure playing into that because Uh we are miss being like, they're misleading us as to who is the villain. We don't know who the villain is, really. And in fact, Swarm says at one point, uh, you did exactly what I expected, Doctor, something like that, mm-hmm. right? Which is yeah. the idea that he knows her so well that he's potentially using her to do what he wants to do, which again is not, I mean, he says to to reign in hell is what he wants. And yeah, okay, that's not great. But <laughs> I do wonder if... He, if he's got a a point of view that maybe is a little more sympathetic than um, we might think, that he's got some questions about the way the Time Lords ran the universe that um, that don't have easy answers and, and that that may be coming. Um, there yeah. are the Ravagers, though. If you call yourself the Ravagers, you're probably yeah. not the good guys. Well, yeah. and you, you, you kidnap people and call them your toy. Yeah, and kill, uh, and kill hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, they're bad. Like, let's be clear, they're bad. But I wonder, so I wonder <laughs> quite what they're rebelling against, and if if I'm entirely uh, in belief that they're um, that the the other side is not necessarily much better. But maybe it is. Maybe it is. I'm not saying the Time Lords are fundamentally uh, bad, yeah. but <laughs> I'm I just want to be skeptical. I like one of the things I like in this episode, and it's it comes come kind of comes in what the Bell story stuff is that's threaded throughout is the idea that the Doctor Who like monsters. Uh, the Daleks, the Centaurans, and the the Cybermen, at least, are kind of like forces of nature almost. Like mm-hmm. they will wind them up and watch them go. Like in the in the aftermath of the flux, they just sort of expand, and then eventually mm-hmm. they'll destroy everything, and then they'll destroy each other, and then that'll be the end. And I kind of like that as a way of viewing them as just like, you know, there she sees all those Cybermen. And she's like, oh yeah, okay, and they're all those Daleks, and it's just like this is they're just this is what they're going to do. There's nobody to stop them. So they're just going to keep expanding. I kind of like that idea that they're just, unlike the weeping angels, which are obviously time-based and complicated and, and we haven't really gotten a clear picture of how they're involved in all of this. These other monsters seem to just be more mundane where they're just, their goal is just to take over and kill everybody. And I like that. Uh, It is scary to see the weeping angels in action. It is. I have a hard time watching because while I'm watching, I do not blink. They're they're in a video game uh, (laughs) and we know they can come out of a screen and you have to smash the video game apparently in order to make them disappear. And they have the TARDIS. And they're, yeah, well, it comes out of the phone. Yeah, Yeah, the angels have the phone box. Uh, yeah, yeah, they come out of, of Yaz's phone and phone. Just, you, you have to yeah. smash the phone 
or what. And like there, there's clearly we've seen them a couple of times now. And in the preview, I mean, obviously the next mm-hmm. episode is all about resolving what is going on with Weeping Angels. But uh, I don't know. That's really interesting. Like how you have to do things with the Weeping Angels. There hasn't they ha- they don't do a lot, right? They they are right. explained as being quantum locked, and they are explained explained as being from the beginning of time, and that that they they are fundamentally eating on eating time energy and sending people back in time. But like. Okay, but why and how and what and how are they related to the flux? And it's like Chris Chibnall apparently has said, "Stand back, everybody! I'm going to explain at least a little bit about the weaving angels." <laughs> Great, let's see it. Yeah, um, yeah, let's see yeah. it. Yeah, like, well, it, it, are they are they after Yaz? Because yeah, yeah. there's there's like three three uh, occasions where you know she sees them um, in the mirrors mm-hmm. of the police car, and then the video game, then the phone, and and. Right. I'm not sure why her like that. I hope we can have that resolved. <laughs> yeah, and we've met the person who got sent back in time and is catching up yeah. with them in the first episode, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you haven't met me yet. It's fine." Uh, and so, and then I think she gets chased by a weeping angel at that point. So you know, you, mm-hmm. all that work you're gonna get sent back in time again. I guess it doesn't mm-hmm. seem fair. Hardly seems fair for a weeping angel to do that t- to you twice. Come on. Um, it's it's also interesting that they set this whole thing up and the solution could be in that missing period of time as well so the solution could be with joe martin's doctor Mm -hmm. and relate to why her memory was erased and what you know so it's like there's a space for them to sort of um and it's kind of a giant in the present time or giant reset button and it's like oh like all of this didn't happen on earth right it can sort of, which is a little bit of, you know, I don't know, but it also does have that space where you could have the solution is all nicely wrapped up in that intervening period between when we first met Joe Martin's doctor and then, you know, she becomes our doctor. Well, I guess they're all our doctor, but the one, the story that we see starting way back when it first started and that feels okay to me, but also, um, it could have nothing to do with that. So I'm, I don't know. It's just rash speculation. I do like the uh, idea that um, that the doctor doesn't want to leave in that moment. Right. Because she says, this is my only chance. Because she doesn't have memory anymore, but she could go back in her own time stream and get information about what happened to her before, which is obviously very important. Well, you know, let me have some explanation. And the, and the Mori are like, no, you're going to die. And then we get a scene, which is mm-hmm. through a woman who is not identified, who yeah. says, uh, does a whole bunch of things like stop fighting now. Uh, you think you can navigate all these time streams. You're fighting a lost cause. My speciality, she says, the damage to time is already done as intended. The Ravager, Ravagers... Uh, are rare and useful. They have been reintroduced. Yeah. Uh, this is, a, you know, is it t- a temporal poison or contagion? This universe is over, Doctor. Everything has its time. Uh, uh, don't lecture. Uh, the flux wasn't an accident. <laughs> it was made. It was placed because of you. All is ending. Um, and don't come looking for this. You can go. And she flicks her away. Now, who is this person? I feel like this person is the actual villain of this yeah. season, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And that and that, that the uh, Ravagers are just me- a means to an end, that they have been reintroduced. 
And the one little, I'll do my no information uh, speculation. So thanks, Annette. That's, I like this. No problem. Um, <laughs> which is, remember last season, the Timeless Child came through a portal from another universe. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say I think this is the person who put the timeless child in our universe. I think this is the doctor's pe- parent, mentor, mm. something, and they're from outside our universe. Mm. And they have seen the doctor do all of the stuff to save this universe. It's a little bit like how Earth is the doctor's planet, and the doctor always saves Earth. That well, take it more extrapolate that out the universe is the doctor's universe and even though the doctor isn't technically turns out from this universe the doctor is very concerned and wants to take care of this universe and if that's the case then when this person is like this universe is over forget about it maybe this person is from another universe perhaps where the doctor came from and they're like you know you're not even from here why are you even taking care it's broken the ravagers broke it just forget about it um, more to come, obviously, but that's my theory <laughs> is that is that that person is not only the villain, but that person has is deeply involved with the uh, origin of the timeless child, I think. Yeah. Boom. And if I'm wrong, the- then I'll, I'll admit I'm wrong in three weeks and we'll be fine. <laughs> well, there's also the interesting concept of separating time and space. And space. So yes. space is breaking. Oh, man. So we had to break time to fix space to break time to break space. And you're just like, I'm I, it's a mind bending <laughs> concept. I, I bolded that because I, I in my notes because I thought that that was so funny as a thing a villain on Doctor Who would say, which mm-hmm. is like, we are engaged in the founding conflict, the battle between time <laughs> and space, and time shall not lose. This planet is heresy. And I'm like, the battle between time and space? I that don't know what is it means. Bananas. <laughs> In a good way, right? Because you're like, okay, Doctor Who, I don't even know. You've got a raving villain talking about the the constant conflict between time and space, which is like, well, wait a second, aren't they the same thing? It's like, I don't know. I don't know. This is an episode called Once Upon Time, so anything goes, I guess. But that was that is a great moment because it's like, what is the show even trying to tell us about what's going on? I, I don't even know. It's great. I love it. I love how confusing and weird that is, right? Because it's like, okay, great. Like it's Doctor Who. Um, I I do think. <laughs> Here's a theory. When Doctor Who becomes impenetrable to regular people, it's because <laughs> it's because the writers say, well, what other show can can we do things about time travel? Let's make Doctor Who a show about time travel. And Stephen Moffat did that a lot. And I, I think the problem with that is that the original conception of Doctor Who is not that it's a show about time travel. It's a show mm-hmm. where you travel to a time and have an adventure. And under Stephen Moffat, it became a show about time travel to a certain degree. And this season is a show about time and time travel. And like, mm-hmm. I feel like when you add that and say, no, 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 it's not just a vehicle to take us to another place. It's all about the vehicle, man. That's when a lot of people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Related to that, Vinder knew what a TARDIS was and felt yes. it was a legend. So I was like, right? something important is happening here. Also, yeah. a fun way to introduce a, you know, I don't know if he counts as a companion or not. I think Erica would say not yet. I'm going to say yes. Well, Just to fight with her. I, I think well, her <laughs> argument is that I think there has to be that moment where the doctor like invites you to travel with the doctor and then you have to say yes and Vinder gets dropped off and is like, thank you. And so he's more of a passenger. But he's coming back. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, he may qualify yet. But he's coming I, back. in terms of how companions or guest stars are introduced to the TARDIS, I thought we had 
seen all the ways it could be, but we hadn't seen this one, which is like, whoa, is this a TARDIS? I didn't think these were real. Like, he recognized it. He's like, this is so cool. I didn't know that these things existed. That was great. Like, so Vinder is obviously I from someplace like him. that he knows about the TARDIS. I just, I just want him to be a companion. I was oh. like, I want a surprise yeah. companion that they didn't tell us anything about. And I think maybe I'll be he really is. disappointed I, I, I think if maybe, he doesn't. Yeah. I think maybe he yeah. is. I mean, this is... Whether he continues after this story, perhaps not, but he does seem to be in the whole story, which means that he is kind of, kind of. We'll be arguing well, about Vinder's status for a long time. They didn't set up Belle and Vinder to like let us down and just leave them apart. Like right. he and that phone call zero. He's going to call zero. And is that not <laughs> an invitation? Yes, that's true. In, so in that he's going to call zero, and he's going to need their help because he he. He has to get to Bell. Yeah. So I'm hoping. Okay. And he's an alien. So we haven't had yeah. a companion who's an alien in, in a the while. modern era. Yeah. I guess that's probably Anyways, right. I'm just, I team, want him to be a companion. Vinder. I will be <laughs> <Team> disappointed <laughs> if he isn't. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. I like that scene. My favorite scene with Vinder in this episode is the scene where he's with the Grand Serpent. Mm-hmm. And he's telling he says turn off the recorder and he's like uh, I'm not supposed to do that and he's like turn off the recorder I'm like, okay and then the the grand serpent basically says you have nine people and and um you need to give five of them back to us and then the other four are the family members of my opposition and they need to have an accident and this and and this is we then see the scene where Vinder basically says I need to report this because he killed mm-hmm. he ordered those people to be killed and then they were killed mm-hmm. and. Uh, but that that scene, you know, are you sure you want to do this? It's like a scene we've seen a million times before. I get it. I get that he's taking a moral stand. And it's going to be the reason that he's going to be exiled to that stupid listing post forever. <laughs> I get it. Mm-hmm. But I love the scene when it's happening. And I, the reason I love it is that I love that he keeps saying, don't make me relive this part. Like, yeah. He, and the scene before that, right, where he's like, I don't. We, it's clear that this is a horrible part of his life and he doesn't want to relive it. Um, but he has to. Because that's yeah. where that's where he's ended up being hidden in his own time stream or whatever. Mm. So we can conveniently that, get his origin story. <laughs> mm-hmm. That uh, actor who played the Grand Serpent, I was like, I've seen him, and I was right. He was in Line of Duty. He uh, was a detective, um, and a few series, a few seasons, he was a, one of the regular uh, detective teams. And anyway, he is a very. Un- unusual looking guy i can't put my finger on it but i i liked the grand serpent like just his like level of scariness but not you know he's not swarm scary he's like you know like smooth criminal you know whatever and you know he's bad news because uh, he has white streaks of hair or whatever but anyway i i did enjoy it uh, that, but I did feel the same way. Like when Vinder was saying that, like, I please don't make me relive this. I'm like, oh my god, yes, this is the worst. Because what can you do? You know, especially knowing the context of like yeah. that's the moment that he didn't even get to say goodbye mm-hmm. to Belle and left her behind. Mm. Well, he got to say goodbye. She didn't get to say goodbye to him. <laughs> sent a message is it wrong that so if, if i want gene if i want a white streak in my hair <laughs> does that mean i want to be a villain yes i believe mm. so oh. it might mean that 
it might mean that i have a dark cd inside to myself mm-hmm. and It'll manifest if you're curious about if you've seen um bell before Yes, I am. That is Thaddea Graham. She is the lead in the canceled Netflix TV show, The Irregulars, which is about sort of magical Sherlock Holmes Irregulars. I enjoyed it. Uh, We watched some of it, not all of it, but she's the lead in that. And then she's been Mm -hmm. in some other stuff, too. She was in um, The Letter for the King, which is another Netflix show. She's, She's been in stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So we recognized her from from the other stuff that she's been in, and I didn't know she was in this season at all. But that's she's a legit uh, English actor who has been in all sorts of stuff. So, um, so she I think seems so we'll young. see her again. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, she is, she is. But I mean, she's playing like the head of the Baker Street yeah. Irregulars, right? And in, in, in yeah. that show, they're supposed to be like kids and stuff. kids. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see she's just the the oldest one taking care of the little mm. Irregulars. Um, what else should we talk about? If anything that we haven't that we haven't covered so far, I feel like this is just a big spray of stuff. So if there's <laughs> if there's anything in particular you wanna you wanna mention uh, before we go, now is a good time. I uh. really thought the point when the doctor was in playing the role of Yaz's um, police partner and telling that long story oh, <laughs> yes. going to the that shop, was so funny. And, <laughs> and it was just like. <laughs> I don't know why that part was really funny to me. Good job, Jody Whitaker. <laughs> yeah. 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 Actually, it's the, the one thing I'm sort of, uh, I'm not sure. How is Yaz doing this, you know, season? Cause she's, uh, um, the, the, it's as, I mean, technically Dan is, is their num- number two companion, but you know, that's nothing like having companions who been there you know for a whole uh season or two and so she seems kind of I feel bad for her I guess that's what I'm gonna say because she you know the doctor um that you know the this in this episode there's like that moment where the doctor says do we have to discuss just must everything be a discussion you know (laughs) which was rude and you know given that the doctor is the one that keeps getting them into these scrapes I think you know, asking a question or two is is not unreasonable. Well, it's clear that the doctor is deeply, deeply disturbed by the revelation that she has had a life before she remembers. That mm-hmm. this goes to the core of her identity as a as a time lord, as a person. That the revelation of Joe Martin being another doctor and that they erased her memory, that the master tells her in the season finale last season, that, that, that it really all along this stuff has been the stuff she doesn't want to talk about. And so mm-hmm. it's, it is consistent, right? Where Yaz is like, what, what's going on here? And she's just like, no. And she's cranky about it. She's like, she's mm-hmm. cranky. She does. She really is disturbed by this. And I mean, obviously that has to come up at some point. She's going to have to explain what's going on. But um, I, I like that it shows just how much it clearly bothers her that this is that mm-hmm. this is and that she's kind of un- uprooted and um, doesn't. Well, I mean, this season, I mean, they get her out of prison in the in the uh, New Year's special and then this season begins with them trying to chase Carvanista, and his whole thing is that he's the only link to the division. So clearly, since we last saw her, when she learned all this stuff, 
she has spent all of her time basically trying to figure out, follow leads about her past. Mm-hmm. So it obviously really upsets her. Um, and she takes it out on Yaz. Yaz is great. I, I, I do wonder if we're going to be left with sort of this, like we left wanting more, always wanting more with Yaz. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fear that. I think, for the record, for people can check me on this, but I believe Yaz and and uh, the doctor, Jody Whittaker's doctor, um, will be the only in Doctor Who history, maybe one to one companion to Doctor relationship, where both of their tenures on the show are identical. Oh, I think hmm. ever. I think there's never been a doctor and companion who ran together exactly, um, assuming that she stays till the end. And uh, and yet I feel like perhaps with Yaz, by the end, we'll still be like, oh, I want more Yaz. Because she does always seem to get, it's like, well, let's talk about this other companion who's also here because Yaz is boring. She's just competent and good at what she does. And, you know, and then there's, and then there's Dan, who what's Dan up to, right? And it's like... <laughs> What about Yaz? But I, I like that we got some some Yaz with her, what with her sister oh, yeah. and and uh, yep. Was it her sister? Yeah, though? she did it say was her like, sister. This is not my past. This isn't. Yeah, but this but that, isn't my past. Well, I think she said this isn't what happened. So her, the, it wasn't a reflection exactly of what I don't her think past it was. was. The, was was it the same actress who was the sister? And, yeah, no, uh, I, think I think it was. So. It was okay. I forgot then. <laughs> Maybe I'm having a time space problem. Yeah, you it's the, watch it's out. The, what was it? The time haze. <laughs> yeah. The time haze. Time yeah. Haze. Uh, yeah. Somebody give me a shot. <laughs> yeah, she she's been in six episodes as uh, okay. as Sonia, the sister. Um. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot going on. A lot of moving parts, and it turns out, mm. uh, episode one and episode three seem to be super. Uh, wild episodes episode two was a little more standard and if if the preview is any indication episode four also looks to be a little more settled mm-hmm. the episode where mm-hmm. we got the episode with the centaurans and it looks like next week is the episode with the weeping angels um great mm-hmm. i'm sure we'll learn a lot about the the plot lines but also i i it's nice to get a break if every episode was packed as this one it would be a lot it would be a lot I yeah think. Yeah. Um, looking forward to the rest of it. Yeah, I, definitely. I am. I'm. I like. I know. I said I don't know if I like it or not, but I'm generally optimistic. So mm. I hope that it, they'll stick the landing and make something that. Because if it works, it could be something that's quite rewatchable. I'm a rewatcher, so I rewatch a lot of things. But so yeah, I'm hopeful that they will stick the landing. Although this might be controversial, I would have been happy to binge the whole thing at once. I, you know, I, I'm a big uh, week by week person. I do a podcast about Doctor Who week by week. In fact, <laughs> I, I think I may agree with you. I think that maybe in hindsight, this is going to be something that is better consumed at uh, whatever pace you choose instead of having to wait week by week. Yeah. It certainly feels like it's constructed that way. Um. But we'll, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm also optimistic about this. I was not super enthusiastic going into the season. I have to be honest. The last couple of years, I've liked okay, but they have not made me. I haven't done like rewatching of episodes, and I've been like not as enthusiastic about about the Chris Chibnall era and as previous eras. But um, it's it's um, 
it's what I said at the beginning, which is I can simultaneously think, I don't know if this is the right thing you should do with Doctor Who and also be like, but it's exactly what I want. (laughs) That's kind of it. It's like, I'll take it. I get it. I got I I got what they were laying down in this episode, but I'm a little worried that it's it's just people like me and not like more people who should probably be into Doctor Who right now that aren't. So I don't know. I don't know. But I am optimistic that that. You don't do a story like this unless you know where you're going. Now, we may be mm-hmm. disappointed by where Chris Chibnall's going, but he's not going to make a mistake and like fall into something. Like Clearly, every single element of these six episodes has been lined up and plotted and is all going to fit together in some way. Hopefully, a, ple- a pleasant, aesthetic way that we all can <laughs> applaud. Yeah. Uh, I will definitely watch because there's just so many questions that have been raised that I want to know the answer yes. to. So there's that, you know, has been well done. Like I, I care. I want to find out. Yeah. Well, we will find out over the next three weeks. Yay. Yay. Well, okay. We, um, we had a shocker of an episode, uh, when the haunting of Via Diodati happened and there was like ghost <laughs> Cybermen in the pool house oh. or whatever that was. Right. <laughs> That's like one now one of my all time favorite episodes. So it was very, was I good. loved that episode it's a great so memory. much for so many reasons. And I remember watching also, it with all those people, and then we had to rush back to yes. the other room in order to record our flashcast. And it was so nice. That's part mm-hmm. of what makes I think it so great. But also, it was like the Regency episode, and they yeah. danced and Byron and Shelley, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then we didn't see people ever again after that. Yeah, so. never, yeah. <laughs> never again. <laughs> all right, last. Well, well, uh, I will be back with another panel for next week. And um, and thank you to Annette and Jean. Thank you both for being here for this week. Again, got the band back together. Sucking, being sucked back into the time vortex, mm. storm, whatever. That's true. I might not even be me. I might actually be somebody from your past that you don't even know yet. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, but until next week, uh, that, thank you for listening to this episode of the Doctor Flashcast. Bye. Doctor Who Flashcast, only in the Doctor Who Flashcast.